Good morning again, Hope Jersey City. Uh, it's my joy and privilege to share from God's Word this morning. Um, over the last couple of months, we've been looking at the book of Jonah, examining its core message of how God's grace and compassion are greater and deeper than we can ever imagine. And today we're reaching the end of the text, uh, but this is actually the second to last sermon in the series. Um, and now last month, Devlin challenged us to read through the entire book of Jonah in one sitting, and he claimed that five minutes was more than enough time to get that done. And uh, I'm a fairly slow reader, and so I, I kind of doubted him a little bit. So after that service, I sat down with my Bible, turned on the timer on my phone, and then timed myself. And I actually read it in 4 minutes and 36 seconds, which I'm very proud of. Um, but now that we're getting to the end of the book, I want to encourage you to read the whole book in one sitting, either for the first time or second time, um, just to get uh, a scope of the entire book and everything we've been covering. And maybe next week we can all post you know, how long it took us uh, in the chat. Um, but today, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Jonah chapter 4? Uh, we'll be reading verses 4 to 11. You can also follow along on your screens. Jonah chapter 4, verse 4 to 11. And the Lord said, Do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out to the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he should see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked and he might, that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, the great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their left hand from their right, and also so much cattle? And this is the word of God. The passage we're looking at today picks up from where we left off last week, this question that God poses, do you do well to be angry? And Jonah leaves this question unanswered, but rather than demand an answer or explain why Jonah is wrong and all the wrong things he's been doing, God creates an experience to show Jonah the error of his ways. And this involves this plant that God causes to serve as shade for Jonah, which Jonah enjoys and is glad for, and soon after this worm to, to kill this plant. And Jonah gets so sassy with this outburst. He throws this almost like tantrum, right? He's so upset over this plant, so upset over the loss of his own comfort that he said, it is better for me to die than to live. And then God points out that Jonah neither labored nor made this plant grow. And here Jonah's anger seems ridiculous, so ridiculous in light of everything else we've seen. Now this whole interaction isn't so much about this plant and this worm, but it's to show that there's something drastically wrong with Jonah's lack of compassion for the Ninevites, which we've seen through this entire book and this entire series. 
And the truth of the matter is, Jonah has no compassion for the Ninevites. See, he runs from God when God calls him to go to, to present this call to repentance. And even when he finally goes to Nineveh, he still lacks compassion. See, Jonah barely had to speak. A third of the way into this three-day journey, Jonah proclaims, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. There's no extensive declaration of the sins of Nineveh. There's no talk of the righteousness of God. There's no call to repentance. Yet Nineveh repents and God relented. How incredible would it be to see a city recognize its wickedness, recognize its sin, and repent like this? But instead of being filled with joy over God working, Jonah goes out to the city to wait and watch, to see what would happen. Now, it's very easy for us as modern readers to read about the inability of God's people to be faithful, to do good, to be kind, to be loving, and we think that we're better than them, that we have so little to learn from them. But consider this, Jonah was sent to Nineveh, to Assyrians a wicked and vile people, hostile to Jonah and his people. Jonah was sent his enemies. Especially today with all the the polarizing and overly politicized conversations that push us towards division, it's not too hard to find that sometimes we're just like Jonah, unable to have compassion for our enemies. And of course, I use the term enemies loosely, See, maybe it's simply people we have conflict with in our lives in this moment, even people we love. Or maybe it's people who have a different set of beliefs or different political stances. Maybe it's people who've been hostile or even have hurt us, people who have done things that we see as detestable or wicked, people who we might consider enemies. And today, as we compare Jonah and God and their heart and their sense of compassion specifically for their enemies, I want us to to have three questions in mind. The first is this, what is the goal and the hope of compassion? The second is, what is the cost of compassion? And the last is, is this cost worth it? So it's what is the hope or goal of compassion? What is the cost of compassion? And is the cost worth it? worth it. And so we'll look back to Jonah with these three questions in mind. What is the hope or goal of compassion for the Ninevites? Simply put, it's the role of all the prophets to call people to repent and come to right relationship with a holy, loving, and sovereign God who is both just and compassionate. Really quickly, our second question for Jonah, what is the cost of this compassion? It's to recognize God's grace and compassion for the world. See, Jonah wanted the Ninevites to face judgment and to experience the wrath of God. And so the cost for him was to choose God's hope and compassion over his own anger, over his own sense of what the Ninevites deserved. This brings us to our third question. Is the cost worth it? See, Jonah himself, he says it, that he knew God would relent if Nineveh repented. He was upset with God. So much that in response to his anger, God asks him, do you do well to be angry? See, God knows Jonah's heart, his anger, his desire for the Nineveh to to face judgment and wrath, yet he calls him instead to choose compassion. And here, Jonah wanted God to come and work in a specific way. And he decided the cost of compassion was not worth it. 
In fact, he was so offended to the point of getting onto a boat to run into the opposite direction, sleeping through a storm that God had sent to get his attention, getting himself thrown into the sea rather than repenting. See, Jonah moves from resisting God to being angry with God. He chose to cling to his own picture of justice over God's call to extend compassion. And so for Jonah, the cost of compassion wasn't worth it. Now, when we turn to look at God in this interaction at the end of this book, there's a huge contrast. See, God's compassion, it's not just for the Ninevites. In fact, so many of the expressions of compassion in this book are for Jonah. See, Jonah was a prophet who was to be a mouthpiece for God, who we'd expect to live in a way that showed who God was, his character, and his love. Yet Jonah sins. He stands against God, runs away from his call, and is determined to resist God's work for compassion for the Ninevites. And for his sin, Jonah deserved the wrath of God. God had every right to be angry with Jonah, but instead he has compassion. God works to show Jonah his sin, and where we might expect harsh rebuke, there's instead steady patience. God doesn't dismiss Jonah's sin, but at the same time he shows him compassion. And just as Craig mentioned last week, our God is a God of of justice and compassion, truth and love. And of course, we still have Nineveh. They too deserve judgment for their sin. But God desires for them to repent, and He relents when they do. And so we come back to God now with our three questions. What is God's hope of compassion? The hope of compassion for God is that all would know and be in right relationship with Him, to worship Him, to enjoy Him. This includes the Ninevites, this includes uh, Jonah, and this even includes us. Our second question, what is the cost of compassion? And you see, we might wonder, he's God. Like, Does there really need to be a cost? Is that really a thing? And the answer is yes. God cannot simply negate the penalty of sin. Because if he did, he wouldn't be trustworthy at his word. He would be a liar. But God holds justice and compassion in perfect unity, upholding truth and love. Romans 6.26 says the wages of sin is death. The Bible doesn't shy away from this, and we can't either, for ourselves and for our witness. Now, for God's people in the Old Testament, God created this sacrificial system where the Israelites would sacrifice different animals and grains for their sin, and often we view this as the cost for sin. But you see, the sacrificial system of the Old Testament was not the true solution for sin that God promised in the Garden of Eden. It was never the true solution for this problem that separated God's people from Him. Rather, it pointed to the true solution, which came after what we see here in Jonah. The true solution, the cost of God's compassion, was God coming in the form of man, taking the price of sin on himself. And so Christ came and died to pay the price of our sin. This is the cost of God's compassion. And a God not bound by time, knowing this heavy cost, calls Jonah to beckon the Ninevites to repent and turn to him. 
So our third question, is the cost of compassion worth it? And I want to say it's a resounding yes. The book of Jonah ends with God presenting his compassion to Jonah. God cares for Nineveh, for all of humanity, which is made in his image. He contrasts this to the love with this love with Jonah's concern and pity for this plant, which he neither labored over, which he neither caused to grow, which is so fleeting. And God says he cares for the 120,000 Ninevites. But here there's an interesting addition at the end of this book, and it's the cattle. At the end of this, this statement of God's love and compassion, he includes the cattle. In Jonah chapter 3, the king of Nineveh, Nineveh uh, includes the cattle in his call to the city to repent. And you see, God heard this. He saw this effort to repent down to the smallest details. Now, have you ever received a gift where every detail from how it's wrapped, presented, what the gift is, every little detail was thought out and intentional to the point that it felt a bit ridiculous? That's what I imagine this moment to be like. See, in this way, God seems ridiculous to care for the smallest of details. But this idea that he is ridiculous is the complete opposite way we see Jonah's concern for the plant. Jonah has all this care for this plant, his own comfort, and was angered by God's love for the Ninevites. And God points this out again by asking a similar question to the one we started with. Do you do well? to be angry for the plant. God cares. He has compassion on those who don't know Him and desires for them to repent and enjoy life with Him. And this compassion is for us as well. See, this need for compassion doesn't end with Jonah and the Ninevites. We too are in the same boat, sailing in the opposite direction of God's will, all in need of God's compassion. And if you're new to Christianity, if you're not a Christian, or even if you are, and you're wondering if God loves you, know that just as He loves, knows, and hears Jonah and the Ninevites, the same is true for us today. God desires all people to come to Him as they are, to accept Him as Lord and Savior, and to live in His grace and love. And as we accept the cost paid by Christ through the work of the cross. There's no need for us to sit in shame or wonder if our sin is too big a cost, too heavy a weight that God could not love us. And this compassion of God for all people, for Jonah, for, for the Israelites, for the Ninevites, for me and for you, is deeper than we can ever imagine. Now, at the end of this book of Jonah, we're left with this huge cliffhanger, this unanswered question on how Jonah responds. See, does he repent? Does he stubbornly turn away? Does he get eaten by another creature? We don't know. But the question is left for us, the reader. Will we engage, speak, and act with compassion for others, even our enemies? Will we bring our anger and pain to God, allowing Him to work in us and through us to show His compassion to the world? Will we weep 
not just because of the pain of injustice, but also for those we might see as enemies, desiring that they would come to know God as we do. And these are hard questions and hard prayers to pray. I have a personal label for for prayers like these, and I call them bitter prayers. They're prayers of God's blessing, but it's for the good of those who have hurt me, those whom I might see as wicked enemies. At times, these prayers seem unacceptable to pray out loud. At times, they cause me to grit my teeth or even draw out tears of frustration. And unfortunately, in the last few days, weeks, years, we've had with such regularity and frequency so many opportunities for these painful prayers. Now, thankfully, we're not called to do this on our own, out of our own might to just buckle down and be compassionate. That would be a sick kind of torture of the self, a toxic self-religious piety that only lends itself to greater cynicism and bitterness. Rather, we're given strength beyond and outside of ourselves. And this is God Himself. Our strength to pray and live out God's compassion comes from knowing His grace and His love for us more deeply. We worship and behold Him, and as we build our lives with Christ, we see more deeply and clearly the compassion of God for our own lives, which allows us to see God's compassion for the world with more clarity and as our own. And in Christ, we have the freedom to acknowledge our pain, to speak against injustice, but to extend love with the hope that all will know His goodness and live for the hope of His compassion, that His will will be done here as it is in heaven. And today, today is Palm Sunday, the day we remember Jesus entering Jerusalem. And as He entered, the crowds gathered and they cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna, celebrating that their Savior has arrived. But what they expected was for Jesus to overthrow the Roman government that Israel would be liberated and the theocracy of God's people would be strong again. They expected Jesus to come and work in a very specific way. But that's not what Jesus came to do. And in just a few days, those same crowds instead called for Jesus to be crucified. Hope Jersey City, today will we choose God's compassion for our enemies? Or like Jonah, will we decide that the cost is not worth it? Will we choose to live as Christ's church, called to make disciples of all peoples? Or will we, like the crowds on that first Palm Sunday, decide our picture of what is right is better? As we respond in song, would you pray that the Spirit of God would lead you to see His compassion more clearly? To see the enemies in your life the way He does? and to find God's hope for compassion more beautiful and compelling than our own sense of justice and judgment.